You're about to listen to the IC News Podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Now, it might seem like we don't want you to spread it around. We might insist that it's safer and better for everyone involved if you keep it at home and keep it to yourself. Secretly, however, we desperately want you to spread it about. But we want you to think that doing so was your idea so that we can maintain plausible deniability and insist it's not our fault when it turns out that everybody in the UK now listens to it. So here's our advice. Stay alert. Control the podcast. Do not, under any circumstances, tell your friends about it or share the link on social media. Good luck, fuckers. You're on your own now. Oh, and enjoy the show. You're listening to the IC News Emergency Broadcast System. Stay safe and stay at home. As lockdown restrictions in England begin to be lifted, childminders, nannies and cleaners are allowed back to work, as well as anyone else who's willing to raise Boris Johnson's kid for him. A whistleblower in the United States warns the country could be on course for a disastrous second wave of coronavirus infections in autumn. Republicans were quick to dismiss Dr Rick Bright's claims, insisting that a second wave isn't technically possible if the first one never ends. Here in the UK, the Daily Mail kicks off its latest propaganda war against teaching unions obsessed with petty nonsense like health and safety in a global pandemic. Rubbishing claims that the government's plan to reopen schools on the 1st of June is unworkable, the paper is insisting that all teaching staff need to return to work safely is a face mask made of Jubilee bunting and a Princess Di memorial apron. And finally, EastEnders is now set to resume filming, presumably because the last eight weeks just haven't been depressing enough already. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the IC News Emergency Broadcast System. Tonight, I must give the British people a clear instruction. You must do what you're told. Unless you find what you're told to be confusing. In which case, do what you think is best. Just don't blame us when it all goes to shit. Last Sunday, serial seed spaffer and fully grown child of the corn Boris Johnson appeared on our television screens once more, doing his best impression of a serious face in order to reveal the government's latest lockdown advice. Tonight, we're devoting our entire episode to the new messaging in an attempt to make sense of it all, because Lord knows someone has to. Stay home, protect the NHS and save lives has now mutated into a much less contagious and effective strain of advice. Instead, the British public are now being told to stay alert and control the virus, shifting the responsibility away from the government itself and onto individuals and businesses who must now use their best judgement as they emerge, snuffling and bleary-eyed, from the burrow of lockdown. The government's new approach is that we must all now use our common sense in order to prevent the spread and protect the vulnerable. What Mr Johnson didn't seem to expect, though, was that the political leaders of three of the four countries he's supposed to be in charge of would take that responsibility a bit more seriously than he does. Here's Monty Burns, live from the Scottish Moors. For Scotland right now, given the fragility of the progress we've made, given the critical point that we are at, then it would be catastrophic for me to drop the stay-at-home message, which is why I am not prepared to do it. Thanks, Sam. It's been an interesting week for the devolved nations here in the UK. 
Wales, Northern Ireland and yes, Scotland too, are increasingly breaking ranks with Boris Johnson's government. The coronavirus response isn't exactly four members of a unified nation walking in lockstep. Instead, it's Boris announcing what he'd like to see happen, leaving the rest of us to turn around, bear our asses, and tell him to go fuck himself. The Tories insist they've built an effective consensus, and in a way that's undeniably true. The Welsh, Scottish and Northern Irish governments have unanimously agreed that the Stay Alert slogan is a load of confusing and dangerous shite. If there's one thing you can trust three of the four nations to agree on, it's that the guy in charge in Westminster is being a useless bellend. In that respect, Johnson is very much bringing our countries together. While the Tories like to claim that they understand and respect the devolved power of the UK's nation members, the reality is proving to be vastly different. Irritated by being left out in the cold, Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland have resolutely refused to follow suit as England eases off the break of lockdown choosing instead to stick with the stay-home narrative and keep exercise restrictions in place. You try and jog over the border up here and we'll stick a plastic apron on to protect ourselves before we kick your fucking head in. This confusion and conflict is a remarkable tactical balls-up on the part of the Tories and it's an absolute gift for the SNP. A second independence referendum may have been shunted to the back burner by this pandemic, but Nicola Sturgeon is still waving around a massive separatist shotgun. What's truly baffling to anyone paying attention is that Boris Johnson seems determined to reload it for her. That's not to say the SNP has had an easy ride with their coronavirus pandemic here in Scotland. There have been the same issues here as there have been nationally, with testing and the rate of infection, and outbreaks in care homes here have been markedly more catastrophic and tragic. While Sturgeon has stumbled, however, she's managed to appear pragmatic and empathetic throughout, and is now being commended for her more cautious approach. In terms of public perception, she's played a blinder, and her approval ratings in the SNP's polling is rising accordingly. Outmanoeuvring Johnson at just about every turn, Sturgeon has consistently been ahead of him on the messaging, attending Cobra meetings and then relaying that information to the public before Westminster has a chance to get in front of the story. On Sunday she criticised the Stay Alert slogan before the Prime Minister even had a chance to announce it. She's got the Conservatives trapped in a catch-22. If they keep her part of the discussion, she'll be ahead of the narrative. But if they lock her out of them, they gift her a cast-iron argument to make about Westminster not respecting Scotland's autonomy. Put simply, she's being an aggravating wee shite and it's fucking great to watch. It's become very apparent from Westminster's handling of this crisis that Johnson isn't particularly bothered what the SNP or anyone else thinks of him. It's typical of his hubris, but shutting the door of the national response in their faces 
risks bolstering the nationalist parties across the Union. That's particularly true when the devolved governments look like they care more about public health by urging caution when coming out of lockdown. When they can deliver that message through politicians that appear to be capable of basic human empathy, Westminster looks positively callous and robotic in comparison. This week, Liz Savile Roberts laid a zinger on the PM by asking him to confirm if he was acting as the Prime Minister of England. A few sarcastic words from Plaid Cymru might look like water off a cunt's back for now, but if Johnson continues to underestimate his political counterparts in Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland, the Union's post-pandemic future could shape up to be a fractured one. Or, you know, he'll just carry on doing whatever the fuck he likes while he enjoys the foot rub and hot stone massage the British press seems to want to give him on a daily basis. I'm Monty Burns, patrolling the border for joggers, reporting for IC News. Excuse me, old bean, I couldn't possibly get past you there, could I? Not a chance, pal. Turn the fuck around now. There's a good boy. To the untrained eye, the general response to the British government's shift in tone could be interpreted as one of general condemnation. Within hours of the Stay Alert slogan and logo becoming public knowledge, however, speculation began to mount among Mr Johnson's critics as to whether or not the confusing messaging was more deliberate and insidious than it first appeared. The narrative has shifted quickly from that of a noble fight against an invisible enemy to one of dastardly unions thwarting the heroism of brave NHS and teaching staff, who the government are now pretending are desperate to hurl their nana's carcasses into a plague pit in the name of extractive capitalism. It's nudge theory in action, with the government apparently deciding that the best way to get the country to agree to the thorough boning of a secondary wave of infection is to spend the morning repeatedly poking us in the back with a patriotic semi. The Daily Mail, naturally, is also there to help them thumb it in. Here at IC News, there's only one man we can turn to to explain the subtle and exploitative tricks of the state. He's our resident conspiracy theorist and all-round paranoid whack job. We now go live to Danny Sutcliffe. Danny, I hear you've got your own ideas about the government's new messaging. Hiya, pal. Of course I have. And it's obvious, really, isn't it? From the wording to the red in the logo turning green, we haven't been asked to go and fuck ourselves this blatantly since Pornhub started offering free memberships. Stay alert, my ass. My spidey sense is tingling something rotten, and I'm pretty sure only 30 to 40% of it is the massive MCAT come down. You know, I'm starting to think you sound more and more like George Alagaya every week. Well, I've no idea who the fuck that is, so I'll just say thanks. Well, at this point, it almost definitely doesn't matter. So you agree with some of the online speculation about the government following the nudge theory approach, then? Yep, I do. It's not even subtle. Is it? It's fucking duplicitous, all of it. Stay alert. What a joke. Trying to convince us we're all meerkats looking out for the colony, even as they shove us over a cliff like lemons. Do you have any idea what this sort of subliminal head fuckery does to an already paranoid mind like mine? I'm already finely tuned to the machinations of big government. I'm taller than piano wire, pal. I could snap at any fucking moment. 
Well, you could always try smoking less than four kilograms of weed a day. Yeah. And while I'm at it, I'll just stop breathing air and eating food, Shava. I swear to God, your one-shit hat and a shiny belt buckle off going full Puritan, you. Let's just try and stay on track here. So where do you think this approach comes from? Oh, where do you fucking think? An over-reliance on untested behavioural theory, coupled with a psychopathic fetish for social Darwinism and enacted by incompetent yes-men? This is pure Dominic Cummings. This absolute toilet of a plan's got his mind farts all over it. Right, well, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that you won't be signing up for any contact tracing app that the government tries to roll out. I can't give a fuck about that. You're right, I wouldn't trust this shower of bastards with any of my data. And after the Cambridge Analytica scandal, none of us should. But let's be honest here, 90% of the thick twats in this country have already shared all their personal information through shit Facebook quizzes that tell them which character from the fucking Simpsons they'd be. We've already volunteered to go through the looking glass. Nobody needed to nudge us. Oh, that's actually quite astute for you. Thanks. I'm always surprisingly lucid on Quaaludes. It's fucking boring, to be honest. Okay, well, what's your actual objection to the stay alert message, then? Honestly, I'm all for controlling the sheeple. Some of the dimwits we've got bumbling about, it's fucking necessary. What I do object to is how shit this lot are at it. If you want to nudge someone, it's got to be subtle. You've got to convince them everything you want them to do is their own idea. You paint a fly on the bottom of a urinal. You direct the stream. So what do you think has gone wrong here? They've painted the whole fucking urinal, pal. Telling us we need to be responsible for our own actions and do the right thing, go to work, even though it probably won't be safe, and businesses have no clear guidance on how to protect us. It's not a nudge, it's a massive shove into the unknown. They've just painted one massive fly. And would you piss on a four-foot blue bottle, Sam? Or would you be worried it'd go full Jeff Goldblum on you and spit stomach acid on your cock and balls? Quaaludes are wearing off, aren't they, Danny? Really quickly, actually. I feel a bit sick. Great stuff. Well, I think we'd better leave it there before you vomit all over the microphone. Get well soon, Danny. I will, pal. And stay alert, will you? You never know what the bastards will try next. Now, when you're reporting the news, it's important to maintain a sense of balance. When it comes to covering the actions of a government who have successfully alienated three of the four member nations of the Union and led a response to a global pandemic that has caused the second highest death toll in the entire fucking world, there's really only one way to balance all that out. With the saccharine platitudes of a desperate bootlicker willing to humiliate himself in order to grasp at the few remaining straws of conservative credibility. Time now to throw to our nauseatingly deferential correspondent. It's the one and only Sebastian Forlock. Thank you, Sam. And may I say, your ebullient tones are once more breathing life into the glorious medium that is broadcast news. Yours is the voice of a seraphim who's preened and prepared by carefully waxing every single feather before gargling with the amber distillate of serendipity itself and then singing its aria to the host of heaven. 
And speaking of divine instruction, this week the Prime Minister of our humble nation graced our screens once more to lead us out of the wilderness of lockdown. And what an inspiring pre-recorded 35th take of a speech it was! The hair was carefully brushed, the suit elegantly fitted, and the fists were clenched as he pointed with his thumbs in that noble, statesmanlike way that no ordinary human being would ever be able to pull off. And what clarity! It was like a consommé in a three-star restaurant. The kind of clarity that you can only achieve after all the shit has well and truly risen to the top. Oh, oh, it begins. What splendiferous bounty. Of course, the naysayers and never Johnsons have been out in force, trumpeting their ignorant indignation even in the face of such inspiring leadership. Nothing our glorious leader will ever do will be enough to satisfy their tedious chattering. Any other PM would have been laid on a bed of peacock feathers, fanned with palm fronds and fed peeled grapes for all that he's achieved. And yet, the proletariat still seek to tear him down, claiming his truths to be self-evident falsehoods. He couldn't have been clearer. The worst is over, and now you must go back to work, unless you can't, in which case you have to. And you can't take public transport, unless you have to, but you mustn't, in order to get to the work that may or may not have reopened, depending on whether or not it is essential, which most workplaces now are, apart from the ones that are not. And you must do all of this while social distancing, unless it's not possible. In which case, you don't have to, even though you really should. And if you can't, you should cover your face, even though you don't have to. And to give us all a whole 12 hours to digest, process, and apply these new guidelines to our everyday lives before Monday morning. It was generous beyond belief. It's really very simple. And it was a real triumph of leadership to get all three of the four nations to agree to disagree with all of this clear and concise advice by leaving them to find out about it in the Sunday papers. Oh, baptize me, Daddy. I welcome my salvation. Oh. Speaking of truly glorious deluge, the clarity has only continued this week. Dominic Rabb pumped the teats of the morning news cycle like a Bavarian milkmaid on Monday to spurt out even more of it into the tin bucket of our comprehension. Now we understand, clearly and concisely, that we are allowed to visit one family member from outside our household in a park from a safe distance, apart from when we aren't, and shouldn't, which is roughly an hour later in the morning when the advice changes. And then half an hour later, it changes back again. It's all part of staying alert. You don't run in a straight line to dodge a virus. You duck and weave so it can't catch you. Personally, I think we can all agree Mr. Raab has risen spectacularly to the occasion during this pandemic. He's worked so hard that he's developed a second emotion. Blind panic. To sit nicely on his motherboard right next to the barely contained apoplectic rage he feels whenever he's called out for completely failing the bereaved family of a British teenager killed in a traffic accident. Not that I think he failed. I wouldn't dream of such blasphemy. 
Personally, I think every member of the cabinet has been positively wonderful since the moment they had their prominence thrust upon them. Oh, yes, Daddy. Baby needs his nug nug. Look, it's really very simple. The negativity is hurting us. And in many ways, criticising Boris Johnson is potentially much more harmful than recklessly reopening the economy with a series of poorly communicated and confusing instructions that baffle both employers and workers who are yet to receive any clear guidelines on what their responsibilities within the workplace even are. Boris is leading from the front. We've avoided the potential tragedy of half a million deaths. Not only that, we've avoided a planet-killing meteor strike. And not one of the titans of legend have risen from the depths of hell to lay siege to our cities. On top of those unbelievable achievements, this week Mr Johnson also took bold action on air travel and announced that we are now set to be the first nation to be the last to enforce quarantine measures on passengers arriving into the country. So tell me, what could possibly be clearer or more decisive than that? We have to let the government do its job. It is our patriotic duty in this time of crisis to stay in lane and know our place. I know mine. The question is, are you enough of a patriot to know yours? I'm Sebastian Forlock, shackled naked under a glass coffee table at one of Michael Gove's cocktail parties, reporting for IC News. <laughs> oh. Yes, Daddy. Yes, befoul me. I am the pavement to your Pomeranian. Baste me, for I am ready for the oven of your love. <laughs> Sebastian Forlock there, reporting in a manner that somehow still managed to be more tasteful than anything Fox News has ever put out. His report brings us to the end of our scheduled broadcast. It's time now for the stories you may have missed, because you weren't being alert enough. See how nice we are, giving them to you anyway, even though it's your own fault, you big fucking idiot. Chancellor Rishi Sunak refuses to comment on the possibility of future public sector pay freezes. Presumably because all that clapping means the hands of nurses will be more than warm enough to endure one that lasts for the next 20 years. Health Minister and Dolores Umbridge-adjacent propaganda Nolan Nadine Dorries is one of several MPs reprimanded by the Conservative Party for sharing a doctored far-right video of Keir Starmer. What was truly shocking is that even selective editing couldn't make Sir Starmer look interesting. The UK's chief Brexit negotiator has warned that very little progress has been made in the last round of talks, proving that in an uncertain new world, we can at least rely on our exit from the EU to be a consistently terrible, enormous fucking mess. And finally, after reopening a Tesla plant in Alameda County against the lockdown advice of local authorities, SpaceX announced that Elon Musk's ego is now big enough to personally lift their rockets directly into space. You've been listening to the IC News Emergency Broadcast System. 
Thank you and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. It's the best way to help us reach a wider audience, and we would be very grateful for your support. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. In this episode you heard his voice, as well as the voices of Allison June-Smith, Money Burns' Danny Sutcliffe, and Eddie French. The main ICU theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design is by Chumchi.com. In this episode you also heard March of the Spoons by composer Kevin McLeod from Filmmusic.io. Full credit for the use of his excellent work is given in the podcast description. IC News releases new episodes each and every Saturday at 8 a.m. Hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you again next week. Stay alert. Honestly. What a load of shit.